welcome to expertise where we talk to experts from the tech industry and try to tease out insights on what makes them great and what they do real people with real stories i am your host gurpreet so join me today with a cup of chai and enjoy the conversation you are listening to part 2 of our conversation with our guest nikhil prasad nikhil is the co-founder and cto of tavisca a 700 people software product company in pune that originally started as a travel technology company and now after being acquired by cx loyalty is focused towards helping brands across north america and europe build customer loyalty through point redemption for travel Nikhil is one of the humblest and hardworking CTOs I have encountered. His passion for building impactful products and cultivating people is inspiring. In the previous episode, we discussed on what are the elements of an empowered and high-performing engineering culture. In this episode, we continue the conversation with Nikhil, where he discusses his own approach to learning and becoming a better engineer. We talk about excellence and craftsmanship. and his mental models to effective decision making we end the show with recommendations by nikhil on people publications and books he finds helpful i hope you enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it All right, Nikhil. Uh, I wanted to shift gears now into you know craftsmanship and uh, how people sh- should think about their own career. And I thought it would be interesting to you know listen to your own uh, career journey and how you have uh, what mental models do you you use to make these decisions. But before we go there, I know that you prefer the term engineer over the term developer. uh can you elaborate why is that the case yeah sure so uh you know i one of the first lessons that i learned as uh, someone who's in the software industry right is uh, that naming convention matters right the right naming uh, can be the difference between something being obvious and something being uh you know cryptic all of the books that at least i have had the fortune of reading the ones that i like they are very deliberate about the nouns that they use right because uh, nouns they create a picture in our head and that picture comes with perception and assumptions and i want to make sure that when we use certain nouns you know we are trying to create the right picture so you know when i try to generalize the software industry i feel that the term developer uh, you know if you say some if you if you say someone is a developer uh, it is it is it is an activity right development is an activity and uh, i think the term is more tied to someone who writes code and builds software whereas when you when as someone being called an engineer then to that extent there is a certain amount of uh, you know academic and professional skill and expertise there are there is more nuanced uh, execution that is expected you know with elements of design with elements of uh, a problem solution and things like that right and to that extent i would like to believe that uh, you know as an uh, as an organization and along with the people that i've been working with you know we are trying to solve 
you know we are engineers at the heart of it and we try to use uh, engineering best practices to solve uh, hard problems right uh, we are not just it's not just about writing code it's not just about you know getting something done it is about getting something done well and that means that you know you have to kind of follow the rigor that is necessary to Uh, to do a good job and that's why you know i prefer the term engineer because it has the natural implication where engineering is a it's a skill whereas i look at development as, as an activity right <laughs> so in a way uh, if i understand what you're saying engineering is like a full discipline right which comes with with certain expectations in terms of you know this product being built or this thing being built or this software being being built needs to meet certain specifications and as an engineer you are thinking of those end results while writing code or while testing it right that's so you are sort of setting an implicit expectation on the role itself of the because right. i'm calling you an engineer i'm expecting you to think of these things i'm not calling you a coder or a developer whose just job is to you know type uh, in a programming language you're not a typist right at the end of the day i know maybe we are splitting hairs from some people's perspective but you know if you just think about it <laughs> like if 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 you saw two people uh, you know one whose title is a developer and another whose title is an engineer what is the emotion that it evokes in your head right and you realize yeah. for most people it's not the same thing <laughs> right right for me personally when i see engineer i am thinking of someone who's more steeped in science and discipline and uh, exactly more holistic right like than a developer maybe but then does this have any implications on developers and testers like are they both engineers in your head yeah so so i am not trying to say that developers are not engineers and again as i said this is not about uh, it's it's not about trying to define it universally right i am just saying that at the end of the day how we communicate matters right and so the choice of words that we use the choice of nouns that you use they are in some way subtly influencing the people that are participating in your ecosystem right and i want to make sure that we do a good job of choosing those nouns because we at the end of the day want to radiate what is the expectation right and that expectation is that you know you want someone who cares about their craft cares about being good at what they do and understand that there is a certain amount of natural rigor and professional practice that comes with it right and the intention is that when you use these nouns some of these things are just subtly being conveyed right i mean i agree and like you said right like i don't want to boil the ocean but i do want to clarify and make sure i got it right do you believe that developers should do testing or do you believe that you know testers are better suited to do testing and developers are better left to do development like i'm just trying to understand because your term engineer makes it sound like as a developer you are responsible for creating a high quality product so you should also be doing the testing that is needed for it but if developers do testing then what do testers do personally if you ask me i think uh, developers should test what they build right because it's an expectation that you would have from pretty much every other profession so for example if if you buy a house from a builder there is an implicit assumption that the builder has tested that the construction is solid if you buy a computer from a, a manufacturer there is an implicit assumption that whoever has built it has verified that it actually works as expected so to that extent the intention is that i do believe that developers should should write tests 
that's not to say that as a result of that now testers don't have a function or don't have anything to do so i feel that uh, being able to prove that what you have built actually works actually meets the spec actually does what it is supposed to do uh, the initial responsibility of that lies in the hand of the builder i also feel that in the act of participating in in making sure that you are able to prove that you are able to actually build a system that is designed to be able to demonstrate that because what it means is that when you are thinking about how do you prove this you're already thinking about reliability or already thinking about performance you're already thinking about how do you justify the different design choices that you make and i think these are all examples of things that an engineer would naturally be considering you know irrespective of whether they were delegated the responsibility of having to test the system right uh, i and anyways i feel that you know a lot of the separation of functions that you see nowadays where you have testers writing tests and developers writing code and you know different functions doing different things is is not necessarily a choice of how the discipline mandates it but is just a choice of how we want to scale that activity in an organization across people so to that extent i feel when you look at look at from the point of view of what approach creates more opportunity for learning what op- what approach creates more opportunity for developing an opinion on the right thing i feel that when engineers participate in the end to end and it's not just limited to testing but it they participate in the end to end lifecycle of what they are building that's what creates uh, you know that that natural opportunity right that makes sense so so in the context of mastery and craftsmanship i was curious on how you see yourself right like we even spoken about the engineer concept and your general attachment to engineer over a developer in your like almost for 18 years of career you've been a developer you've been part of uh, you know building various systems i'm sure you've tested stuff i'm sure you've gotten involved in various things i was curious like when you started off as a as a fresher or as a junior engineer what was your approach to learning and your approach to craftsmanship i keep telling people that i am fairly holistic when it comes to the choices i make right which means that a lot of times i believe that you know i i i naturally follow the decisions that i feel are right and then you know it leads me wherever it leads me right uh, you're saying so basically it's like those principles you mentioned earlier you're saying hey i have a few principles maybe and then i just do what maybe feels right uh, within those that framework and i believe it will take me to the right path or right end result right and i think that is from my perspective that is important because at the end of the day right my personal position is i'm not motivated by the desire to uh, hit a certain career goal or hit a certain uh, title or hit a certain role in a organization so that's that's not what motivates me at the end of the day what i want to do is that i want to make sure that in all the things that i am participating in i learn something and they are and i and i feel that they are doing and generating certain meaning right which means that i feel that i am contributing to something that is that is meaningful to people and i want to make sure that in the things that i am doing i am doing them well right so i'm doing a good job and to that extent uh, you know a lot of the my choices are based on things that i feel that uh you know would lead me down those set of options and that's why i keep saying that you know i don't think that i have planned my career in a way which was with a end, with an end goal of you know i want to uh become the ceo of a company or i want to do x or y but it's about i want to do i want to solve meaningful problems i want to be able to learn things while i'm doing it and i want to be able to you know 
for for these activities to be more than just work i want them to be something that I, that that engages me right for me a lot of the energy that i get is from my participation with my family and my work for me these are not two two sides of things they are actually part and parcel of activities that are interleaved with each other right but what uh, technology technology is so large and so vast right and i'm guessing being a cto of a company you must be getting into discussions right ranging from business to tech to devops to architecture to ua strategy security like it's so vast right and uh, right. and you can't like learn them suddenly just because you're cto like that all your learning must have happened before you became a cto right so 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 like did you do you think this happened randomly in a way like accidentally that you know you you picked up the right nuggets of knowledge as you were going through or was there uh, something you were doing along the way that helped you pick up the right meaningful nuggets if you ask me you know in my head do i think i have it sorted the answer is no as i said that where i sit today is not the end result of of any kind of strategic planning it is just you know the natural outcome of the choices that i've made there are things that i'd like to do uh, which is uh, you know which are just my own ways of doing things so for example i know for a fact that as uh, you know as a person in 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 tavisca i am not necessarily the smartest person in the room but it is my obligation to make sure that i'm surrounding myself by people who are smarter than me and making sure that i'm creating an uh, atmosphere for them that allows them to do what they are good at for me it is not important for me to be able to provide all the right answers it is important for making sure that as an organization we get to the right answer and so a lot of the things that i do are 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 not driven by that uh, are not necessarily driven by the ambition of saying that uh you know as the cto of the organization i must be the best at every technology or i must know the answer to every question but i want to make sure that i one have a clear mental model of how do i know whether an answer is right or wrong and i'm able to educate people to kind of make that decision for themselves as well and then you know how do i create a structure which allows us to make sure that the right people who are in the right position to come up with the right answers get the opportunity to do that those are just some things in terms of you know what i'm doing at, at a professional level if you ask me as an individual so there are a lot of different things so i have been very fortunate to be surrounded by you know as a child historically i have come from a background where people appreciate the the value of hard work and you know people understand that to get better at things Uh, you have to put in the hours and a lot of times uh, the uh, the things that make us better are not necessarily uh, fancy or they're not glorious and a lot of times they are fairly mundane and boring one of the be- things that i feel that i have had the, the good fortune of having is an upbringing which celebrates the fact that it's okay for you to spend time doing these things as long as with every iteration that you spend you are in a directional fashion incrementally getting better do would i like to take the role of let's say a uh, agile coach or an iteration manager in a small team i would say absolutely because you know in my head that opportunity gives me a unique way to iterate once more in terms of how i feel uh, agile teams might work and there is some level of proving whether you know there are things that could be improved in my own mental model for me a lot of what has helped me is to not get not essentially chase the next new shiny thing as a indicator of saying that this is how this is what proves that i am a master of uh you know my trade but rather to make sure that at the more foundational level uh, i have a very good or at least i have a sound uh, mental model of 
how to do things, how to deconstruct problems, how to validate whether one solution versus another, what is the way that you decide what works better in the best interest of the end outcome. I think those are things that I spend more time on. Yeah, so I was thinking, um, like, you know, there are two ways people can think of their career. One way to think of your career is a series of steps that you climb, right? You start from as a junior engineer, you become an intermediate engineer, senior engineer, principal architect, CTO very linear, I will climb up, I will climb up, I should always see uh, a bigger mission next time, I've already done this, so I need something bigger and stronger and harder. That's one way that people see their career as a, as a climb up. Another way right. people could see their career is a way of, you know, like, like you pick fruits in a basket, where you say that, hey, I today I'm picking four apples, tomorrow I'll pick up a banana, next day I pick up a mango. And the more variety and the more different sorts of experiences I'm collecting in my basket, the heavier my basket is becoming and the more I'm growing. That's another way to look at your career, which is a series of experiences being collected and added into a basket. I'm getting a sense that you are leaning towards this basket analogy more in your career than just the ladder analogy. And I was just curious to understand Am I right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to a large extent, yes. My mental model is fairly simple. An organization, uh, a person, someone like me, is I'm not driven by the ladder that you mentioned. You know, SD1, SD2, senior yeah. software engineer. But, but you're a CTO now, right? So you wouldn't be. Like, I'm just trying to connect the dots between when you were a kid. As a as a younger as a younger professional, uh, also, you were not really driven by that. You are saying this just happened because yes. you were the best person for the job. Yes. Right. So to that extent, you know, it has never been my aspiration to be the CTO of the company or to be the C anything of the company. Okay. In fact, uh, until, until for a long time, the official title that I used to hold was the software evangelist in the company, which is just a random title. Right. Right. Uh, It doesn't fit in the ladder. Right. And to that extent, that's, it's completely fine because at the end of the day, what I feel is that as an individual, we need to focus on being good at what we do. If you're if you're good at what we do, the world will beat a path to your door. And that's that's essentially it. Because the other way around is not going to happen. Me aspiring to become a good CTO does not make me a good CTO. Being good at my job puts me in a good position to actually play that role hopefully well. At the end of the day, for me, if what I'm doing is fulfilling, I feel that it is valuable. I'm happy to do that, even if it comes with a title or it doesn't. Right. So I think this is interesting. So in a way you're saying, can you, like you as an individual, prefer to focus on learning things, doing things well, building, building, you know, uh, let's just say mastery. And in a way, uh, finding opportunities wherever they existed around you in, in creating impact and participating. And then this sort of itself accelerated towards helping you becoming better at what you do and you are still saying i have a long way to go i still have a lot to learn i'm still happy let's say even to take on an agile coach role for a team and learn there because i feel it will give me a a channel for impact and a channel to learn and 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 so it's like a journey that you're on right right but then i'm also thinking that one of the thing that comes in the way for people in terms of trying to do things well is that phrase right where it says you know don't let perfect come in the way of good and uh, and i was curious 
um on your thoughts on ownership and accountability right like as a cto i'm guessing you are responsible for taking decisions which can make either people lose jobs sometimes or they can make the company lose a million dollars how do you ensure that you can do a good job while taking accountability while being able to deliver things on time like does it cause stress eh, to you how do you sort of convince yourself that you know what i'm ready to take on this uh, accountability for this decision like what is your mental model when it comes to an ambitious or a challenging problem or a challenging mission given by the company <laughs> so uh, okay i'm i'm not sure it's as uh, as as dramatic dramatic as that right so <laughs> so it's like this i think as an individual we uh, i would have my fair share of doubt about the decisions we take as anyone else right because i'm not i'm not perfect and you know a lot of times the decision you take the outcome is only realized after the fact right and i have made my fair share of wrong decisions at the end of the day i feel that you know my level of comfort on signing up for certain engagements or signing up for a certain initiative or signing up for a certain kind of uh, let's say project or initiative right is heavily driven by how much clarity i have in uh, you know what is the uh what is the impact the value the reason the rationale behind why we are doing it right because what it allows me to do is it allows me to develop my own set of guidelines to validate and you know keep checking whether uh, you know the decisions i am taking are still true to the end goal of what we are trying to do beyond that everything that we do is all about making sure that we are checkpointing frequently and we are you know iterating on these things and we are learning from the data that is we that we are gathering during the course of you know whatever direction we move as an organization or as an outcome of the decision that i take a lot of times it is important to realize that if you make a mistake you know just kind of realize that you make a mistake and don't keep charging ahead i think that's kind of in a nutshell at least how i look at it at the end of the day if i feel that you know what we are doing is uh, empowering enough and it you know i feel that i i can i have a strong sense of validation in terms of how why i feel it is meaningful then my level of angst that is created by the size or you know risk of that initiative might be lower depending on the day and where you sit you know it varies right but uh, are there times where you do feel like afraid or do you feel like the fear of failure because i've never seen you stressed so i was curious <laughs> whether it's just that you are you are good at hiding it or do you just generally don't think too much about what would happen if something bombs <laughs> so i am constantly thinking about what uh, what can go wrong and i think that works well for me because because i am consciously thinking about what can go wrong i am also consciously thinking about doing things to mitigate it right. okay but then i have been very fortunate to be surrounded by an amazing team supporting uh, family which kind of makes sure that you know if i am stressed there is a very easy mechanism for me to release it <laughs> got it. that's helpful mm-hmm. one uh, one more thing i was curious about right like in in terms of craft craftsmanship and mastery uh, there is a term that uh, you you know you said you like a lot and i was curious if we can speak a little bit about it which is this japanese term called tokunen right and uh, i know that you bring this term up especially when we are discussing things around mastery and how can people become you know better versions of themselves and uh, i thought if you could you know 
help our listeners understand what does this really mean for you that would be helpful right so again i i i would not generalize this for everyone this is just my own personal belief right so i came across this term uh, you know as part of my food journey so uh, you know i came across uh, this documentary on netflix about uh, you know a chef uh, a chef called jiro uh, right and jiro uh, ono is actually a 90 plus year old uh, a uh, chef in japan who essentially owns one of uh, three michelin star sushi uh, restaurants okay right and uh, typically you know it's like uh, when you look when you look at the uh, when you speak to the apprentices in his uh, shop you know you will hear these atrocious things like uh, you know you have people who, who have to be able to learn how to clean fish for like 8 years and 10 years before they are even allowed to cut it <laughs> right to make sushi wow. and uh, from a certain perspective you know it would seem that uh, you know how incredibly mundane would that be right but then you have to understand also that to become you know to achieve the level of mastery that jiro has uh, there is nuance in that mundane activity as well so i i'll give you another interesting example right so uh a lot of times you know when uh, when i was uh, speaking to one of my uh, one of my friends who's a doctor right and we as as individuals we end up evaluating uh, you know hospitals by you know how famous the doctors are right so the neurosurgeons or the uh, you know the physicians that are there and uh, so i was speaking to one of my one of my friends there who's also a doctor and i kept asking her that you know uh, given a choice that you are sitting at two different hospitals or you are available at two different hospitals which one would you recommend right and she said that at the end of the day you want to measure the you want to evaluate a hospital by the quality of their nurses and the tenure of their nurses rather than the credentials just of the doctor right because at the end of the day what the doctor is doing is 10% of the full standard of care that the hospital is going to provide right so a neurosurgeon might come in and they might do they might step in for the 20 minutes that your operation requires but the 90% time that you spend in the hospital is going to be based on whether the nurses there know their job right and when they come in at 3 o'clock in the morning they know that they are going to remember to give you your medication right 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 but everything matters right but if you ask them that is being a nurse or learning those things uh you know the reason why they want to become a doctor most people will say no right and so what what shokunin essentially uh, as a term right it it means craftsmanship right it means uh, you know it talks about the philosophy of of uh, of being an artisan right and it says that at the end of the day you know if uh, you want to become good at something then you know it 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 requires a certain amount of rigor it requires a certain amount of conscious participation right and uh, it cannot be just driven by you know the the fancy bits of the end state right like when we are looking at sushi uh, everybody imagines like the the fine knife work and the fancy you know uh, the presentation and things like that but 
a large part of what makes amazing sushi is in you know the rigor in making the rice or cleaning the fish or you know making sure that your equipment is sharp enough and things like that but that's not what people uh, are going to find uh, interesting right it's probably the most mundane part of it but how much it con- contributes to the end state is amazing and it applies to technology as well right so for example uh, when you look at software like nobody wants to be on quote and quote support right or do bug fixing or be part of production triage right but i know you know in my experience the most amount of learning that i have had in software in terms of things to do or versus things not to do or what design works well where has only come from time spent in the trenches doing essentially that it's not necessarily come just from new feature development right uh and and that's because you get feedback you get feedback on your decisions on whether they actually you know bombed in the in production or not or what are the right. real life situations so it's like a right. feedback loop right right and so a lot of the most amazing engineers that i know of became amazing because they spent a lot of time doing these things which were not necessarily fancy right they were not necessarily the most glorious things but it give them gave them a very unique point of view on you know how to solve a particular problem because they've seen how it works right, right? so you're you're saying basically there is glory in doing things which are not glorious right uh beyond yes but my point is that you know i think the whole philosophy of shokunin means that mastery cannot means going through the motion across you know going through every step from end to end you can't directly jump to the last step and say that you know now i know i i think i'm good at this right? right it means you know going through the rigor of it doing it multiple times uh you know making sure that you're iterating enough where you understand the and have a sense of depth on every step rather than just jumping to the last step which is purely cosmetic right so if so right, that's fine yeah so uh, you know as as a cto and as a senior technologist nikhil how do you how do you manage to stay on top of technology trends how do you manage to stay on top of all the various things that are going on like do you also get time to code yourself like are you also hands on while you are i don't know reading about other things just could you could you walk us through your own now like mechanisms of how you stay on top of technology and make yourself feel comfortable with technology sure so uh i am so there are a couple of things that that you know i would i like to do to just keep myself up to date so one is that uh, typically over a period of time i have developed a uh, a series of sources that i you know consider as definitive in the areas that i am interested in right and so to make sure i you know i am generally i i try to maintain a fairly strong reading habit okay so uh making sure that i'm i'm uh, keeping myself up to date with what's happening in the ecosystem at least in the ecosystem that i am in right oh. so for uh, so for example you know and this might be very 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 trivial right uh when we started uh, when we you know early in my career when we started let's say picking uh, a framework like dotnet to develop against right so for me a lot of that was following essentially the dotnet team so all the primary developers uh, who were putting anything on the internet 
around uh, .NET framework and the language, right? Reading about them, because for me, then it's coming straight from the horse's mouth, right? So beyond the tech, you're also getting an opinion about why is the tech structured the way it is structured, and what is the mental model that people have for you know doing something that way. Yeah. So that's just one thing that instead of necessarily just being a generalist in trying to read anything and everything that I find, if there are areas that I'm interested in. i want to be able to you know uh, i typically try to follow the people that are influencing the direction and the current zeitgeist about it right uh, rather than just you know follow every piece of content around that topic and the second thing is that uh, from my side i gen I, i mean i don't i don't get to code as much as i would like to i do still uh, you know uh try to inject myself in these things from time to time just so that i i don't lose the muscle memory of it but i try to make sure that you know i am participating in uh in 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 conversations which are strategic uh uh you know at different points in time so that i am able to at least get to get a sense of you know how people are thinking about the problem learn what is their perspective a lot of times just being a fly on the wall in these conversations might also help uh, capture a lot of information from my point of view so those are just some things that uh, you know are my ways of keeping up to date with the ecosystem yeah no this is very helpful are there any specific you know uh, bloggers or people or tools that you use that help sure so uh speaking specifically you know i think over a period of time my focus has gone has moved from uh you know specific tech to more trends in general right so there are a lot of different uh, sources that i am i i now eagerly follow today uh vis-a-vis you know when i was uh, probably a younger engineer on the team right so for example one source is this amazing blog uh, by a guy called ben thompson right around uh, it's called uh, stratechery and what stratechery does is you know is uh, is giving you uh, like a weekly dose of what's happening in the technology ecosystem right uh, from a from the point of view of an analyst right it's not going into the uh, into the weeds around technology but it's kind of a businessy digest of of what's happening uh, in the technology ecosystem right and it 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 does a very very thorough job of trying to rationalize trends and companies and the decisions that are being made at least by the prime movers in the ecosystem okay okay uh, a second uh, source that i use quite a bit is uh, hacker news right because uh, it the information there changes very very frequently right and uh, you can based on the topics that are being discussed or the type of articles it gives you a general sense of the tonality of um, that point in time it of the conversation in the ecosystem uh that is another fairly good source and then it te- it tends to vary right so a lot of podcasts come in so like for example there was this podcast that you had introduced me to called the knowledge project right i i rely on that quite heavily so that's very very interesting uh uh readings for me and then there are specific blogs right so for uh, or articles right so for example i am a big fan of articles by uh by this guy called charlie munger right who is uh, from bakshar hathwe so a lot of interesting uh, content around uh, principles and things like that uh, coming from that side so i can yeah, you know there, there can be a more exhaustive list of a lot of different things but uh, you know those are 
just to give you some diversity in terms of the strategy versus mental models versus uh, you know podcast versus blogs etc so those are just some of the some of the things that i would i would personally use right and is there like any software that you specifically use to ensure that all this information like comes to you or do you just like you know today i'm in the mood to listen to a podcast so let me go and scan scan it is it like that here yeah, uh so not in particular i mean i am i i generally end up just browsing the site because uh, these are standard sources right so for podcast i would end up using something like spotify right but right. for uh, most of my content typically either i will get them through email or i can just directly go to the site and access it right because right. Uh, i know what i'm looking for right right, right. and one last one last question around the resources is books right i was just curious are there any books that have influenced you deeply that you think uh, you would like to share with the listeners right so uh, i think one of my current favorite books and it's and uh, mind you know it's not necessarily light reading but it's something that every time i nowadays go back to it i find uh, uh, to be more revealing is this book called principles okay mm. it's by uh, by a guy called ray dalio right okay now uh, i mean it's it is one book. definitely uh, <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a fat book yes but it's not something that you would kind of read in one sitting right it's something that you can keep going back to uh is definitely one that i would uh, strongly recommend right right uh, any specific reason you really like this book yeah so uh you know i think the reason why i like that book right is that uh, i am a person that you know likes to create their own decisioning framework about how to navigate on day to day things right and and uh, what i think you know ray dalio's book does is it kind of from his experience tries to talk about what are the kind of principles that he has identified in or you know as programmers we are very form of patterns very fond uh, fond of patterns right uh, which we feel are these uh, standardized nuggets that are used to solve common things right right uh, so i feel that uh, the you know the principles book actually tries to articulate certain patterns that ray has identified through his experience uh, you know through his tenure and and you know be able to articulate that and see talk about how he uses them as part of his decisioning or his mental model of making decisions right uh i find that deeply useful because it helps me you know at the end of the day uh you know it is those list of things that will help you kind of operate on a day to day basis depending on where you sit right and decide between choice one or two which is a better choice to make right and why more importantly so uh that's kind of it's always useful because specifically when you are in leadership roles you know every day is a set of hard questions or hard problems right that don't have obvious answers and that that point of time having like this toolbox of things that you can fall back on to be able to rationalize the pros and cons of one over another is uh, is deeply useful right it helps reduce stress gives you a clearer sense of why you do what you do so things like that all right very very interesting i will add this book into the podcast show notes as a link sure and uh, and my last question to you um tavisca is a travel company and now recently it's become a loyalty company if you yep. were to leave tavisca and you know uh, open a new 
startup or a new company and you had the funding to start a new company in pune um what what area or what kind of a problem domain would you be interested in working in next i am very inclined towards uh, education right and teaching mm. so i feel that india is sitting at a at a huge uh, point of opportunity where we have a lot of untapped talent right and it's all about making sure that how do we take that talent which is in various you know uh, academic institutions and actually prepare them for you know uh, the professional opportunity that lies in the country okay if i look at the if, if you look at you know software engineering at an academic level versus software engineering at uh, a professional level there is a pretty big jump from you know uh, one to the other right and right. Uh, i feel that you know that is an area and opportunity which i would be very interested in purely one because i like to teach and uh, you know it's something that i find i enjoy and two that you know i see that, that 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 that's a gap that is underserved today this is very interesting i think we should do uh, we could do another podcast on just this topic of you know what is likely the gap between you know college education in india for software engineers versus uh, professional demand today and where software industry has reached and then what could potentially be the innovative solutions in this space right thanks a lot for your time nikhil really appreciate you taking out the time it's it's been pretty insightful and a very fascinating discussion and i'm hoping that we can do another episode with you soon Thank you thank you for having me on the show You were listening to expertise we hope you enjoyed the conversation please do share your feedback and likes with us and recommendations for future topics we would love to hear from you